One of the disheartening things among Christians today is leadership. So many Christians are outraged over the kind of leaders that they have in their church today. Some of them are even deconverting as a result of it. What is happening? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna be covering on today's podcast. So turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter five, and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Many of you guys are probably getting notice of this podcast or freaking out because it has actually been several months since I've been able to record uh, Stand Strong in the Word podcast. So I've missed you guys. I've missed having this time as we've been studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So just so you guys know, especially if you're new to the podcast, this podcast exists to help you guys understand, fall in love, and be grounded that you can stand strong in the Word of God as you study it chronologically and verse by verse. So if you want to go and look at the library, the archives that we have, wherever you get your podcast, you will see that we have gone through the book of uh, uh, the gospel counts. We've gone through the book of Acts. We have uh, uh, explored even Galatians. And now we are going through first Thessalonians and we're almost finished. And I promise you uh, to all my faithful listeners out there that we will get through first Thessalonians chapter five by the new year. So I believe now we have now entered into podcast 202. uh, And this is now where we are transitioning from where we left off. Will God's wrath fall on his children? And we are exploring that in verses nine through 11. Again, emphatically, I do not believe that God's wrath falls upon his children. God's wrath is designated, it's exercised, and is justly executed on those who rebel against him. So if you missed that, you can check that out where you get your podcast. Today, we're now transitioning, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 and 13. And the title here is Respecting Your Spiritual Leaderships, Their Leadership. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the intro, it disheartens me my friends, that so many people, including myself through the years, have been betrayed, have seen poor leadership, have seen bad examples, have not just seen hypocrisy. Look, we're all fallen. We're all going to blow it. But there's a greater magnitude when it comes to our leaders, our spiritual leaders, our pastors, our elders, and rightly so, because we see that they are at a stricter judgment, James 3.1. We see the role and responsibility that they play in Titus chapter 1 and also in 1 Thessal- uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And so here in this, in this transition in Paul's letter, as he's about to be wrapping things up, because from here we're going to be getting into how to care for others in verse 14. We're going to be looking about how to exercise restraint with difficult people. So make sure you guys tune in for that. We'll be looking at that in verse 15. And then we're going to be talking about doing seven things. So this is, again, Paul's way of, you know, wrapping things up by giving seven exhortations that we as Christians need to be doing. And then we'll conclude the the letter and we'll jump right into 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 in the new year. So now as Paul is talking about the church, 
and the need for us to be growing in our faith. Notice, I'm going to read these two verses here in verses 12 and 13. Notice what Paul says. He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Now, let me just pause and just break this down for a minute in terms of the Greek. Because notice what he says is, we ask you, brothers. And, and that's what a plea that I'm making to many of you listening right now. And I know we have listeners all over the world. And so, again, the, the constructs, the environment of your particular church, your denomination may be different than mine. Many of you guys may attend a home church or a large mega church or a mid-sized church or a country church, a non-denominational one, a United Methodist one, a Lutheran one, a Baptist one. That's not what Paul's distinguishing here. Paul is speaking to the brethren. He's speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ. If you profess to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we are commanded as followers of Jesus Christ to be in, you know, to be plugged into a Bible teaching church. Now I get it. Listen, if you've been burned, if you have abusive leaders, if you have a church that was professing, you go on their website and their articles of faith is breaking things down all like orthodox and everything, but then you go in there and they're teaching wacky things, then get out of there. And there are a dime a dozen, but listen, not all churches are like that. I'm thankful that I'm a part of a church where the, the shepherds there uh, lead with conviction. And I have a bond and a, a friendship and an intimacy with many of them that we're raising our families together, that we confide into one another. And I know that that's hard for many people to find. A lot of you don't have that. And if that is where you find yourself as you're listening to this, please let me, let me know. You can respond by sending an email, info at standstrongministries.org. How can I pray for you? What questions maybe do you have that I can perhaps help you? And, you know, I, we do get emails. And I do in my travels have conversations with people who share with me how difficult it is. I, I've discipled people in the past and then see later on social media or I run into them and they'll let me know of a horrible story or situation in the church. And, and you guys, let me, just, let me just be real with you. Even speakers and writers and Christian leaders that I'm friends with, that I travel with and share a stage with, we get into conversations and sadly a lot of them don't have community where they live. And a big reason for that, now listen, this is important, the big reason for that is not because they've been burned. It's because they think they're above it. I wouldn't say that they would say that they don't need it, but the pride is there and they don't like to be accountable. That's a problem. But I know for a lot of other people, they don't have community because they've been hurt. And so if that's been you, I just want you to know that you're loved and that I'm so deeply sorry as a pastor, as a Christian leader, to, to remind you that there's not always bad Christian leaders out there. Amen? 
that there, there are good ones. There are good shepherds who care and love you. As the Bible says, they're overseer uh, of people's souls, Hebrews 13. So, so I say all that because notice what Paul's saying here. He says, when I ask you brothers, he's coming to them saying, hey, we, we got to work this out. And I'm really asking you guys, just like a parent does with their kids, hey, I'm really asking you guys to get along, you know, to make this work because we can't keep having you guys being disrespectful to one another. And so that's what I'm saying to my audience right now, to my dear brothers and sisters listening. You know, whatever your situation is, you know, within reason, obviously, if, 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 if you've been critical or, you know, they're just, they're non-issues. I'm not saying your emotions are not an issue. Of course, we need to be concerned about that. But if you really look at your church and you're just kind of critical and there's been a little bit of hypocrisy or let down uh, or you wish they did something else or they promised that they're going to do something and they didn't really deliver, whatever the case may be, like we can work through those things. Okay, the major things is if it's spiritual abuse, if it's infidelity, you know, committing adultery, uh, you know, scamming people, embezzling money, teaching false doctrine, you know, then don't get out of there. Don't be a part of it. But what Paul's saying here is we ask you brothers to respect. That means to acknowledge in high status, to show honor. You know, the sad reality is in the recent surveys that were conducted, asking self-professing Christians, less than 16% of them when asked, who do you respect and admire and look to? Who do you have in high honor? 16% said pastors. Sport athletes got far more kudos than a pastor. What does that say? The, remember, these, they were asking people who identified as Christian. And then he says, those who labor, engage in hard work among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. Let me just give you verse 13. And then he says, and to esteem them very highly. So again, we have respect, but then he says, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then notice he says, be at peace among yourselves. Now, this is why I've, I just dedicated this entire podcast to these two verses because in the Greek, Paul abbreviates them. He structures them, if you will. It's kind of like a standalone template because there's a lot that he packs into these two verses. And I think because of the importance of us being submissive, you know, finding submission, finding refuge among spiritual leaders and seeing how the enemy has used that against us to where so many people, like I said, when I, everywhere I go, you guys, I can, there was one time and I don't recall where, what city I was in, but I remember going back to the hotel, talking to a group of people. One of them was a former pastor and just another story of how he was burned on staff. And he didn't see eye to eye with a senior pastor who came in and was already changing things and just said, you're out. And, and it was just, it was really hard to hear that and thinking, Lord, why are there so many stories like this? Why can't you ever just get a good one? And so, yeah, there are times where you feel that. And so this is a big topic. And I hate to even just say topic, right? It's not just a topic of discussion. We move on. You guys, we all know that when we're not plugged into a body of believers, when we're not being shepherded, when we're not being guided, it, 
demoralizes us. It affects us spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally. So let's just break this down, and hopefully, and I pray as I dived, you know, into this passage before we started to record in the studio. I just said, Lord, just help me to share this in such a way to the people who hear my voice, the people who listen to this podcast, that it would just speak to them because I know there's a lot of hurting people. And if you are a pastor, because we have a lot of you out there who are pastors, you're in full-time ministry. And I love the fact that you listen to this podcast. You know, this is not Jason's preaching hour. You know, this is not me like really giving a sermon. This is just opening up the Bible with you, my brother and sisters out there and just going through the word of God and helping all of us stand strong in the word, right? Because we know we cannot have a robust, strong faith without being grounded in God's word. So let's break this down, okay? The first thing that Paul does is he gives an urgent exhortation, okay, to the Thessalonians. So this is urgent. This is so important. And we need to make sure that when we're looking at his exhortation, that we immediately look at our situation in our life, what's going on, right, in our situation with our spiritual leaders, and evaluate the condition of your heart. And at the same time, also evaluate the condition of your leader's hearts, you know, within reason, right? Because a lot of times what we do is we just assume for them, right? right? We, 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 and, and we, again, we, we tend to think the worst. And I, that was a lesson I had learned years ago in ministry, that I could not assume that this is what the people were thinking. And guess what I had to do? <laughs> I had to go ask them in all due respect. So this urgent exhortation that he's given the Thessalonians is he's saying, you have to obey and honor your spiritual leaders. So there were times, even when I believed I was right, I needed to still obey and honor my spiritual leaders. Now we can have a disagreement. We may not see eye to eye on something, but at the end of the day, if there was an, a, a, an executive decision that's made by my superiors that I needed to either submit to it if it did not violate my convictions, but, but, but bruise my pride, I needed to submit to it and, and, and follow suit. Or if it is wrong and violated my convictions, then I need to stand up and, and fight against it with grace and with truth. And here, what Paul's saying is we have to honor the spiritual leaders now, this is a major shift to his previous topics, right? Because clearly, after the quick departure of Paul when he was in Macedonia, the churches in that area, they, they were promoting leaders. And, I, and you guys, we have to think about this. And I see this, I call it empty uh, chair syndrome. When a church is lacking sufficient, strong, mature leaders, and they're trying to stop the bleeding, Oftentimes, they abruptly, right, immaturely, uh, you know, or prematurely, I should say, they bring in somebody uh, and it can make things worse. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this. And I've even counseled uh, and consulted with churches about this very thing. It actually does more damage than good. So clearly at this point, when Paul had departed from Macedonia very quickly because of persecution, and many people were coming to saving faith. 
it wasn't like they had a crash course 101, 201, 301, 401 on leadership. And they had these top-notch CEO quality shepherds, right? Who are writing books about this and traveling and, and, and giving speeches. No. So they're promoting leaders who are probably, again, they're in, in equal value of maturity and spiritual in the spiritual sense than, than their uh, cohorts or their colleagues. It, or you get Uncle Bob, you know, who's now an elder of the church, and he's expected with his wife to kind of gather people in their home church and to lead these people spiritually when he had never been discipled or trained. So this is happening. And 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 that's part, even we have that today, that, that's just part of the growing process. And so you can have, you know, some people who are maybe a bit immature in their role or they lack experience. So it's not their fault. They're just young. They've never really, uh, you know, fulfilled, you know, this position uh, before. And so they're a novice, they're new. And so oftentimes instead of criticizing them for that or just looking at their inability to do the job and we just critique them, how can we come alongside and aid and support and love them and show honor to them? So this at the time Paul's writing this was causing some difficulty amid the controversy as we still see today. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times my wife and I get stopped in the hallways, whether I was a pastor of a church or not. And people say, Hey, can I talk to you about something? And a lot of times it's, you know, this person's incompetent. I told them to do this. You know, I asked them to do that. Or they, they sent out this email, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of times you find these people don't even go to the source. They don't even show honor to the person in that position. And I'm thinking by your, the, the very fact that you're, you know, criticizing this person, of course, you're going to see them in a bad light. Of course, you're going to see them that way in a negative way because you're being negative. And I'm not saying that's always the case, but even just as we're talking about this, you know, what kind of grace are we showing the people that we're under? Okay. So Paul's making sure that people have an attitude of respect. And that's what we have to focus in on for all of us is do we show respect? And guess what, my friends? Not only that, but this word respect, which means to have in high status, do you have right now? Do you have high regard? Do you have a high status do you show honor to the people that you are under spiritually do you even know them do you have loyalty to those people that god has ordained over you and that's some very powerful stuff my friends we are so keyed in on making sure that our kids get the right teachers they get the right coaches right but when it comes to our our pastors you know, we're all into the, the doctor, the specialist, but what about pastors? And notice now, this is interesting. And, I, and I've walked a lot of pastors through this particular word, labor. Because if you know me, um, in the ministry that we do, and I'm, I'm so, so blown away that it's been 25 years in full-time ministry coming up. And one of the things that I'm grateful for is not to take advantage, not to blow the opportunity of what God has given you in ministry and to care for those 
who are in your flock and to work hard, to engage in hard work towards making disciples of these people. And I'm thankful of the men and women that God has put on my team, who's put around me, above me, to help me do that. And so walking through this word with a lot of pastors, we can really bring validation and really bring some confirmation as to whether or not they have the chops to be in ministry. Because let me just say this. I don't think a third, at least a third, and I'm going off my own experience for the last two plus decades, I would say at least 30 plus percent of the people that I've engaged that are in full-time ministry, whether it's a nonprofit or it's a you know parachurch type organization uh, or they're a missionary, a, a, a traveling speaker, evangelist, or a pastor, and I would say more specifically leaning towards more the pastor, that they, should even, they shouldn't even be in that role. Because their work ethic, what they're doing, quote, quote, end quote, for the kingdom is pathetic. And I think a lot of people are kind of sitting, you know, with, with autopilot on. And that is not a place for people. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to the same, you know, the same doctor again if, that's, if they didn't really work hard at making you feel better and taking good care of you and giving a thorough examination. So this word, those who labor, the leaders, again, are, are more likely elders who are not in full-time ministry getting paid for this stuff. That was not clearly happening at that time. But they had been put in charge of overseeing the congregational gatherings and the teachings of Scripture. You see this in Acts 14, verse 23. But we have to notice something here because these spiritual leaders, they, they were not in name only. They were diligent to work among the people. They were called to build structure in the church. They were called to sustain the community. They were called to protect families. They were called to grow people in their faith, to teach them about God, to get a hold of creeds. And if there were circulation of the gospel accounts, the biographical accounts or epistles of, of Paul to, to dissect them and to learn them and to memorize them and then to, to, to learn how to adapt that and to teach their people and, and to always have the institution of the Lord's Supper. And so Paul shared how, you remember he and his ministry colleagues, how they worked hard. See, this is not boasting because Paul talks about in scripture and scripture is inspired by God. He said, remember, he's not boasting here, but he's, he's, he's using himself as a standard for leaders. So this is, this has been my example. This has been my standard in ministry. And this should be for all of you who are called into ministry. Now we're all ministers of the gospel. But this is really for people who people are looking to, people who are guiding and leading and instructing and exhorting and teaching. Paul said, remember, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, that we work night and day, that we, not, that we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Now, I don't have time to do this, so you can make note of this on your own time. But elsewhere, Paul goes in greater detail, and I just mentioned in brief, but Paul goes in greater detail of the spiritual leader's role, like an elder, an overseer, right? And 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and then also chapter 5, verse 17, and Titus 1, verse 5. Now, what's interesting is when we are to work hard to be diligent, to not take for granted the work that God has called us to do, and that's why we honor those people. So let me just say this. 
Yes, there are a lot of pastors that I've encountered that I've been around long enough whose work ethic is pathetic, who don't really do a whole much. They don't do a whole lot. And you're wondering, what what is their job description anyway? What's their day filled like? What's an average week for them? Now, I'm not just basing off whether or not they're a good speaker or not. They can deliver God's word. I've, I've been around a lot of men and women who are not good presenters, but they love Jesus. Okay, so that may not be their gift. But ministry is so much more than preparing for a sermon, okay? And we, we know that the day and age that we're living in in our culture, there are a lot of people right now who are second-guessing whether or not they're going to maintain the status quo, that they're going to continue to be under whatever umbrella or ministry that they're in or a position that they're in. And so for you, you may not know that exactly because you're not in their shoes, but I guarantee my friends, if you're in God's word and you're praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to move and you want to be submissive, you're going to have the discernment whether or not the people that you're under are working hard at building the word of God into your family. Okay. So that's another thing to look at. They may be teaching the Bible from the pulpit. They may have some good quote unquote programs, discipleship opportunities, service opportunities. Great. They may give you reports and up, updates about, you know, where the finances are, 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 how they're spent and what they're going to continue to advance God's kingdom, et cetera, et cetera. Great. But overall, if you're looking at the leadership and they're not laboring among you, then don't be there. Don't be there. Because notice this phrase, among you. So we honor them, not just because they're filling that position. We respect them because it says those who engage in hard work among you. Okay, so that's key. So keep that in mind. It goes both ways. It's not just saying, well, I'm to submit to you and respect you because you're an elder, you're a pastor, whatever. It, it says, that we give honor to those who work among us. See, church leaders are to be invested in the personal lives of the flock. So if you have pastors, again, who went to great schools and seminaries and they're not teaching heresy, but they're not among you, they're not equipping you, they're not investing in you, and it seems like it's like pulling teeth or to try to get with them, they don't respond to you, they don't call you back, that's pathetic. That's not your problem. That's their problem because they have a problem that they're not working among you. So in actual fact, they're just telling you that they're not the kind of person that you should actually be reaching out to and sharing personal problems with. Because if they don't care enough to get back with you, if they're not diligent to work among you, then they have no business being involved in your life to oversee you because that's not because they're not doing it. You guys, listen, there are times where people come to me with their problems. And of course, I don't read minds. No one does. And it was helpful that they said, hey, I have a problem. And if I can help them, I will. If I'm called to help them, then I will. Now, again, within reason. But now when I started Stand Strong Ministries years ago as a writer, primarily and a speaker, my role as a local pastor changed. And there's been many times where I can help somebody to a certain extent. And then, and then what I, what I want to do, and I tell them, I'm up front with them, say, Hey, 
are you plugged in? Do you have shepherds? Do you have people that you know that I can point you to, that I can transfer you over to and, and just kind of check in on them on occasion? But I'm not a local pastor. I'm not there to invest in them on a weekly, daily basis. So we need to make sure that when when we attend a church, we serve and we belong to a family of believers, that they are people who are among the flock. That's why these celebrity pastors, nope, sorry, because they're not among you. And that's a mandate here in scripture. And that's who we're to respect and honor. So if they're not among you, if they're not serving there where you can relate to them and see them and how they're living out their faith. Now their ministry is not to be conducted in a vacuum. It's not to be done in a, in a distance. And, and I am totally against pastors who just preach from the pulpit and that's it. That's so easy to do. And that's not what we see here. Matter of fact, we see a few examples of leaders that were called to provide oversight in the church, to give directive, to be involved. Stephanus in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. Jason in Thessalonica, Acts 17, 5 and 9. Aquila in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. So make sure that you're part of a church where your leadership are among you guys. They're invested in you guys. They're available. They're approachable. And then notice the other thing he says that they're over you in the Lord. Notice they're over you in the Lord. Sounds a lot like marriage. Wives, respect your husbands as unto the Lord. The Greek word is prostemo. Oh, excuse me, prostomai which captures the meaning to protect, to lead, and to provide care over people. How much more specific can we get? It doesn't say they lord it over you. No, it says over you in the Lord. So many of the people twist it and they lord it over you. A shepherd, someone that we honor and respect, is someone who protects you. Is someone who leads you is someone who cares for you. Do you have that, my friends? Do you have that in your church? And notice the other word he uses is they admonish you. See, this term carries several meanings. So on one level, when they are over you in the Lord, they're protecting, they're leading, they're providing, they're caring, but they also admonish. This means that they give advice. Now, you can't give advice to someone if you don't know them. You can give general advice. But I will tell you what has been, what has meant more to me than anything is sitting in those living rooms with families. Getting a text or a call from a dad and he needs help. And you rush to his aid. Or the blessing of seeing a dear friend of mine whose daughter or son is getting married and they asked me to officiate and they're coming down the aisle and they're about to make this their second right next to Christ, accepting Christ, their second big, biggest decision, accepting the role to love and to care, to cherish their spouse. And there's nothing greater and that's what this is saying. They admonish. They're giving advice to people they know. They're directing people. As a parent loves a child, they correct, they warn, they rebuke. I'm a father of four. One of my roles and responsibilities as I care for my kids is to give advice, to direct and care, to, and to warn them. 
and to rebuke when necessary. And I'm not ashamed of that if I love my kids to protect them. So Paul uses such a broad term because he wants to capture the importance of leaders pouring into the lives of others with grace and with truth. So that's verse 12, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So notice labor, and then he says, because of their work. So that reinforces what I just said earlier. And I want you guys to evaluate that. There may be some pastors that I say, look, they're in charge. They make the executive decisions good for them. Pray for peace and unity. But I don't respect them because I don't respect the way they go about doing their job. That's not being harsh. That's a fact. Because the Bible says right here, to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. But if their work is pathetic, if it's not there, then I don't have a high regard for them. The word esteem goes beyond the respect of the office. The expression conveys a deep sympathy and an abundance of love. In Hebrews, we are told, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you in the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Well, here's the reality, my friends, and this is okay. You don't need to go around publicizing it. You don't need to be going out there naming names. But if you do not respect the work, the way in which someone conducts themselves as a leader who's above you, and it says, who's over you in the Lord. Okay, so positionally, great. All right, pray for unity. But you don't esteem them because of their work or lack thereof. That's something to think about. Is it a make or break? Is it going to cause disunity? Is it, gonna, is it causing division? Is it unhealthy for you and unhealthy for that person? Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13, verse 17, that we are to obey our leaders. So when you go back to verse 7, we are to imitate their faith, do you? See, that's the thing is, a lot of times the directives come from them overseeing a particular position. And there's a responsibility and a duty that's required of them. And so then they surround themselves with, quote, volunteers. And they're just given directives. And you do things according to what needs to be done in the church. That's not what this is talking about. In essence, this is talking about showing esteem for these people, uh, imitating their faith. And quite frankly, there are some that I, I do. And there's some that I don't. There's some that I'll have coffee with and invite them over. And there's others that I don't. And so you have to find that for your, yourself as well. But notice he says, but there needs to be peace among you. And so my wife and I, and I, and, and I'm so thankful for her is, you know, we will have conversations and, and she wants to protect, you know, my time and, and we, we want to protect other people's time. And, you know, there are some people I get with that we don't even share, you know, that we're friends with or put on social media because it's just a private time of imitating one another's faith of confiding into one another. And so that goes beyond just Sunday morning, but I recognize that I have certain spiritual leaders who are, who are overseers of my soul, who take care of me and my family. And they give me advice and I seek them out for advice. And that's a beautiful thing and I need it. But to get there, you also have to understand the ones that you don't go to. But we have to strive nonetheless for peace because 
no matter what church you belong to. And of course, if you have more people and you have more leaders, then you're going to have more problems. And so you have to make sure that, that there's, you're not causing division. And so Paul wraps up this section again, remember, cause he says, Hey, you know, my brothers, how he was, he was saying to them, we, I ask you brothers to respect. And so this is a conversation of saying, I know there's a lot of issues, but I really need you to, to listen and to really work hard to, to make this work. And so at the end, he's saying, be at peace among yourselves. You know, obey your leaders. You know, make sure that your church is living at peace with one another. And that's Paul's directive. That, that's his point of concern here. That I pray that we would evaluate our situation, whatever it is, whatever it looks like. If there's trouble within the ranks. If there are things that need to be sorted out. And, and if you don't deal with them and they're going to get worse then that's bad on you as well. And so hopefully, my friends, as we, we evaluated this passage and we've looked at it, that you will do that in your situation in your church, whatever that is, good or bad. If right now you're dealing with conflict, if right now you're contemplating about leaving, if right now you've had some of your uh, children who have deconverted, they've left because they don't like the leadership. I just was talking to somebody recently and you know, they're not really plugged in, but their kids certainly don't have any respect for the leadership. And that could be very draining and it could be very hard. And so I get it, you know, raising four kids and having discussions with them. And there've been many times where I felt like talking to so-and-so or confronting such and such. And we just have to give it to the Lord and realize I'm just being overprotective or I'm being too critical. And the Bible says to be at peace among yourselves. And I'll go to the people if I need to. I go to the ones who I have respect for because of their work, that they work among you, that they are invested, and you want to maintain and strengthen that relationship. And I pray you will do as well. So my friends, I appreciate so much you guys listening. Hey, listen, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, I know this time that we're recording this, we're coming to another end of the year. Hard to believe, but we are. And I'll be honest, we need your prayers more than ever. God has blessed Stand Strong Ministries to be a part of conferences, church outreaches, equipping families, publishing books. Right now we're uh, working with Arizona Christian University on developing a signature worldview series to help people be grounded in their faith. Um, developing, which is one reason I haven't been able to do a lot of podcasts because of travel and also writing uh, two other books, one a parenting book with focus on the family, as well as putting out a new one with Salem books called Hijacking Jesus, how progressive Christians are remaking him and taking over the church. And I'll tell you, my friends, we have great opportunity to invest in people just like you, families just like yours, churches that you attend to keep you guys grounded in this cancel culture. And so this has been a blessing to you guys. If you're thankful that we have a podcast like this, or you've read some of my books, or you've heard me speak, and you're not a monthly supporter, you're not a monthly Stand Strong supporter, you can become one today by simply going to standstrongministries.org, click on donate, and would you prayerfully consider becoming a monthly Stand Strong supporter? I would greatly appreciate that, and I know my team are, are grateful for all the many listeners and the support that we receive on this podcast and beyond. We couldn't do it without you guys. And so I just pray that you guys will continue to stand strong in your faith. And until next time, my friends, keep trusting in the Lord.